when we're raising our children, it's like they get a glimmer of hope, or you get a glimmer of hope, when you see them act in a way, and you're like, they get it. They're getting it. And you're like, yes, they're getting it. And this summer, I can say, as a pastor, and one that's back there, that we're like, yes, they're getting it. They're standing up, they're standing in this pulpit, and they are proclaiming the Word of God. They're taking a big step of faith. It's not easy. And I heard it from each one of these guys. It's not easy to be standing here today. So, are we recording on Zoom? Because I want to make sure we are. It's going good. All right. Because I want all the men and families that participated this summer to hear this and see this. And trust me when I say, behind every person that stood up here and gave their testimony or gave a teaching, there is a woman behind them. Without them, those men would not be up here. Trust me, because those women correct us when we're wrong. And it helps us walk in that faith. So today's actual um, verse that I'm going to be um, walking fr- walking to and walking through is 1 Corinthians 13.11. And that verse says, When I was a child, I used to speak like a child. Think like a child and reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. Our children, our youth that are starting, that are maturing, some of them have went through catechism, They are entering into an adult phase in our church and into the Christian faith. They are to be doing away with childish things. But before that, you guys know I like illustrations. So I brought some illustrations with me today. And based on childish things, right? When we we drink like a child, we move from the pacifier and move away from mama and we get a cup like this that doesn't quite spill even if you turn it upside down. And then we also get a cup like this when we can continue to mature. You get a straw and hopefully at a restaurant this doesn't come off. Sometimes it does. But you're starting to mature in the faith there. And then when you're actually almost all grown up, you don't quite get the big glass, but you get a glass without something on top of it. We have been trying this glass for a long time now. And this is something huge, because guess what? Our our world is telling our children... To stay in this until they're 26. Stay here. Do not mature. You can stay on your parents' insurance. You can stay in your parents' home. You don't have to grow up, men. Boys, don't become men. Stay there. Keep playing video games. Don't mature. I have three girls at home. I'm telling every boy here, grow up and mature. Because my daughters are going to be looking for men at an earlier age because I'm raising them to
to get back on the biblical timeline. <clears throat> I'm standing here where I should have been 10 years ago because I was caught in the world and the Christianity of the world. But here in this Disciple Center, in this church, we get you back on the biblical timeline. Let's look at that biblical timeline. Numbers 8, 25, or 23 through 26. Some of the maturing that happens is you go from needing one pair of glasses to two pair of glasses. That's just what happens. Amen? Numbers 8, 23 through 26. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Here's your mature timeline. This is what applies to the Levites from 25 years old and upward. They shall enter to perform service in the work of the tent of meeting. But at the age of 50 years, they shall retire from service in the work and not work anymore. Those people that are 50 and above, they may, however, assist their brothers in the tent of meeting to keep an obligation. But they themselves shall do no work. Thus you shall deal with the Levites concerning their obligations. This is what we should be doing in the church, is maturing our youth so that at the age of 25 or younger, right? So from the time you guys are catechized, you should be standing beside your parents and learning what they're doing. And if you have an interest or you have a skill that God has given you, you should come alongside us, whoever's doing that piece in the church. Maybe you like to go out and you like to do evangelism, or maybe you're really good at technology, then you should be coming alongside, if you're technology, come alongside Mr. Brian or Mr. Andy in the church. If you like to speak and you talk a lot lot in church and your parents have to keep telling you to be quiet, you should be talking to me because we'll get you up here. Right? God may have a blessing upon your mouth. Who knows? So, from 25 to 50, that's the time that you serve in the church. However, a lot of people think, well, that that points to 50 and above. But it doesn't say that they're to be done away with. I'm reading a book right now by Billy Graham. Um, That one is Nearing Home. And he talks about those phases of getting older and how you still have an obligation. You don't get to retire The Bible doesn't say you retire. It says that you become an elder and you help those young men, you help those young women walk in their faith in the church. You help them not to hit those potholes in life that you hit. My grandfather always said, work wiser, not harder. Well, what's that mean? That means don't put that stupid piece of metal up on your shoulder. Get the forklift and get it. Don't hurt yourself when you're doing that. We have the material. We have the ability to work and do things to help us along. And that's exactly what they were doing. Let's look at our master himself and what he was doing at an early age. Let's turn over to Luke 2. 
he follows these same type of scriptures. He didn't enter the ministry until around 30. So right after 25, right? He was, he was saying, now it's time. I'm going to enter into that ministry piece. But before then, what was he doing? Right around the catechism age, right? <clears throat> or bar mitzvah, I should say. Please forgive me to my Jewish brethren that may be listening. Right around the bar mitzvah age. And in Luke 2, picking up in verse 46, it says... Let me, let me give you, let me pause and give you a little background. So Jesus had went up to the feast of Passover with his family. They were hanging out with cousins and aunts and uncles. And they were all there having a great time. And his family, large, large part, was heading back. And Jesus, he was actually like, I'm not done. I'm going to go to, he already knew. I'm going to my father's house. I, I want to hear more. You can't believe it. When I first started going, going to the UMJC and the Southern Baptist Convention, I would just sit there and listen to Bruce and the rabbis or Bruce and the other pastors. I don't need to say anything. I'll talk. I'll ask questions because I want a little bit more about that. And I think every one of us would enjoy that. This is exactly what we find Jesus doing right here. And before I get there, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to read um, verse 46, 47, then I'm going to skip to 52, okay? 46 says, Then after three days, so Mary and Joseph noticed on the way home, Jesus isn't here. Where's he at? Now, have you ever lost your kid in a store? Did that scare you? That would frighten me, right? Today's standards. Where's my kid? i got to find her. Oh, she's just over there playing. They were on their way home. A while. And they noticed, Jesus is not here. Where is he? Joseph, we got to go back. Mary's saying, we better go get him. we got to find him. So, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. After three days, not three hours, not three minutes, three days they hadn't found him. But, three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. The Son of God asking the rabbi questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God, his Abba, his Papa, and with the men around him. If we stop during those years of bar mitzvah to 25 and you take it seriously, you will increase in knowledge and in wisdom. I can tell you right now, I've been around young men and they are taking the word of God seriously. I'm like, that is a wise young man. He will learn from other people's mistakes and he takes God's word seriously. And I hope each and every one of you young men and women here do the same thing. Because if you take the Word of God seriously and do it, the people around you will go, hmm, there's something different about that person. <clears throat> so, however, we have Mary and Joseph on the other side here, right? And they were scared parents. And the interesting thing is, we always think of Jesus as He's God in flesh, but what's he going to do here? 
he's going to get in trouble. I, I would imagine I'd get a spanking if I, I didn't let him know what I was doing. But let's look. We'll pick up in verse 48. Because this is the other part of that story. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. (laughs) And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he continued in subjection to them, following their rules, listening to what they had to say. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. They were anxious. They were parents. This brings him, brings his family into reality. If you look at this through different lenses as parents and as humans today, he was still in subjection. He still followed their rules. And they and there was nothing else that they could do but really care for him. So at 12, he still wasn't mature enough to take care of himself. Although he was growing in the grace and knowledge of the scripture. And I know Joseph and Mary made sure of that. There's other books that say he, he, he was studying the Torah. He was studying the prophets. It didn't just come to him. He still struggled to learn it like we do. And he put it into practice when he was um, 30. So, think about that. Because it points right there in verse 42. It tells you how old he was. He was 12 years old. Alright. How do we mature? What are we maturing in? 1 Corinthians 12. One um, chapter before what I referenced earlier. 1 Corinthians 12, spiritual gifts. This is what we should be looking for with each other. 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of ministries, and the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God, who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given a manifestation in the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, distinguishing of spirits. And to another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He wills. I love how it says, I'm going to stop there. But I love how it says there are a variety of ministries. We have so many ministries in this congregation that you can be a part of. I mentioned the other day, technology is one of them. 
Because there's going to be a time where certain people leave, and we've got to feel that. There was a time, like I said before, this summer, where Pastor Bruce and his family were still going through what they were. And I was planning a big trip with my family. And I was going to be back east for the Southern Baptist Convention. And I needed people to step up and do a teaching. God knew that there would not be a need because I wasn't going to call the mission pastor here in Orange County and say, hey, I need pulpit supply. He knew each one of you who stepped up could do it, even though there was anxiety about it. That was a huge step forward. As far as I'm concerned, this congregation can get rid of this because we've stepped up to what we needed in this congregation. It may not be easy to get back up here, but we have to keep on maturing in our faith. And as uh, Randy Sheffer says, you've got to get your big boy pants on. Pull them up. And that's exactly what we did. Amen? So, our younger ones, they have to mature in the faith too. And I'm going to hold you accountable, each and every adult, to help them mature. I was talking to one youth not too long ago as I walked them through the catechism. And they said, I just don't know how to do some of those spiritual um, disciplines. I said, well, let's talk about that. We were talking about fasting. I said, well, how about you just don't have a snack at night if that's what you're used to? Well, yeah, I usually get a snack. I said, then don't get a snack at night. Work that into your fasting piece. Don't do that whole fasting of Yom Kippur. Work into what God has for us. He will bless us each step of the way. But you've got to take those small steps, and encourage those young people to do it. That's what you are for, adults. You are here to encourage the young ones to do it. Amen? And that's what we're going to do. And I'm sorry, but when I went to on my vacation and I was at Gettysburg, I had that pastor you guys already heard. He was, uh, he was filled with the Spirit, and he was happy, and he was praising God as he was preaching. And you're going to get a little bit more lively from me. From now on, because I thought, I, I was drawn into that whenever I was preaching, or I was listening to him. And that's exactly what our kids need to see. They need to see excitement for God. And that's what we need to give them as followers of Jesus Christ in this congregation. Verse 12, we're going to move on. I told them back there I probably wouldn't be that long. I may be, I tell them I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and I may be, keep preaching, but we'll see how that goes. <clears throat> All right. Verse 12. For even as the body is one, and yet many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason, and any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason, any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole were hear, if the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as He desired. If they were all one member, 
where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the member of the body which seems to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more, our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church... Okay, so I'm stopping right there in 27. Now you are Christ's body and individual members of it. I said if you're a speaker and you talk a lot, maybe you need to step up here. But I will also say this. If you stutter, if you have a problem speaking, you might be up here one day. Because I've struggled with speaking in the past. I've struggled to get in front of people in the past. And God took that weakness, and He made it for His glory. He took a small farm boy and put him here. He may use you. If you don't know technology and you're older and you're scared of it, go talk to Brian. He may help you learn this for our body and for us here and use it to connect to people out there on the internet with your family members. He can use your weakness for His glory. And I have seen it over and over. So, the ministries here are plentiful. There's a lot more we can do out there in the world. I get it, but we have to start here. And so I encourage all of us to take those steps of faith, even whenever it's a, a struggle to do so. And it's scary. And it, you have that anxiety and saying, I just can't step up. You know, through the years, people have struggled to open up this ark. But then they took that step and they said, okay, I'll do it unto God. And you hear it in their voice. They're a little bit um, leery at first, but they still do it. And they, then the next week or the week after, they do it again, and it becomes more comfortable. That's exactly what maturing is, following in that way. So I encourage each and every one of you to continue to mature in the faith in a place where God wants you to be used. And it's right here because God has placed you here today in this house that he calls a house of prayer at the Disciple Center. My conclusion and uh, comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 2 through 6, and I wrote it out. It says, or I typed it out, We give thanks to God always for all of you. This is exactly how Paul expresses to the Thessalonians, um, this is how I feel about you guys at the Disciple Center. I give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor, of love and steadfastness, of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, His choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power 
and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the Lord the word in which tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. The interesting piece in this is as you become imitators of us. I don't know how many of you have ever um, said, but I have said, I've been trying for years to be an imitation of that man back there. Right? We all want to have the knowledge he has. We all want to be able to encourage people like he does. In the same way, these young ones are growing up, and I have to watch where I walk and what I do and how I speak because I know the youth are paying attention to me, but they're also paying attention to each one of you and saying, well, if so-and-so does this, I can do that. But you can't. You're going to be accountable for your words and your actions. We've talked about it. As adults, we are just going to have imitators of what we do from our families and in our congregation. And so be aware, we need to bring along those youth. And we need to encourage even adults around us. Take the next step of faith. There's no doubt in my mind over the years, and I love this, and... um, You know, Jeff, Brian, Randy, James, Steve, Mike, and Nick, thank you for stepping up in faith over this summer. It was such a blessing. There's no doubt in my mind that over the past few years, the net has been a blessing to all the women. And so, yes, the whole congregation. But I also know I've seen other women come alongside her and try to help whenever the women's retreat is coming up. And so as they go on a journey and to their next chapters in the next few months, and after we learn the technology that Brian still is going to learn and get perfected for us, um, there will be women that step up. There will be, God will fill that role. And there's no doubt in my mind that that will, she may still have to do it for a few years, Distantly to some women and tell them how to do it. But be in prayer, women. Because I can tell you this. There's been times where I told Kara, you need to pray about this. Because this may be what God's asking you to do. Nope, not going to do it. I said, fine. I'll step back and I'll pray. A few weeks later, a few months later, she's like, fine, let's do it. I said, nope, that's not right attitude, Sorry. She comes a few months later, and she's like, okay, I get it. I'm like, that wasn't me. You know, that was the Holy Spirit. That was God. There's a need. You guys are going to have to feel it at some point. Maybe not as good. And we all know this. Can we all get an amen? I'm not as good as Pastor Bruce. Amen? Okay. But there is a need sometimes, and I fill in. I will step in because we are a community of faith, and God fills those voids. And he will work within each and every one of us to continue what he started. And until that day he comes, he will continue to work in this congregation. And we will continue to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Let's go to him in prayer.